Good evening. It's uh, great to see you all, um, and welcome if you're joining us online. Um, some of you may have noticed there are a few empty seats uh, today. Um, there's a good reason for that, as quite a few of our families are going to baptising services of, of friends of theirs. So uh, we pray that God will be with them as uh, he is with us now as we worship. Well, let's start this evening um, by singing our first song. All praise to him, the God of light, who formed the mountains by his might. Then, after we've sung, Roger's going to read God's word to us. So let's stand when the music starts. Bible reading tonight is found in Matthew chapter 11 verses 20 to 30 and that's on page 816 in the church Bibles. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done 
because they did not repent. Woe to you, Corinthian. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it would be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So reads God's word. Roger. Um, I forgot to say, there's refreshments after the service, so please do stay and uh, join us for that. In our next song, we sing about being lost in darkest night. And that's something that is real for each one of us. Either as a current state, or for a historic remembrance, we once were lost in darkest night. But today we're going to hear how we can be taken from darkness into light. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing about how we can be right and how we can be free from that future of the grave.
pray. Oh Lord our God, as we come to you, we ask that you will help us to pray, that you will guide us, and that by your spirit you will take the words that I speak and make it please from all of our hearts. Oh Lord, you know us, and you know us each as individuals. Oh Lord, you know this last week, you know what's brought us joy, what's brought us sorrow. Oh Lord, we thank you for the many prayers that you've answered this week. We thank you for the many sins that each one of your children has had forgiven. We thank you that you are not a God who changes. We thank you that you welcome those who come to you. Yeah, Lord, we are very conscious that your word stands true and reliable and that there is an awful condemnation on those who have known about you, those who have seen, those who have had an understanding of what God can do and turned away. Oh Lord, you know many of us have those that we love on our hearts and we pray that in your mercy you will pursue them, that you will bring them back to you. That though they are lost in darkest night, though they are turning from the light that they have seen, oh Lord, we pray that in mercy you will bring them back. Oh Lord, we do thank you that you speak to us. Oh Lord, you you know how poor our hearing is. You know how many messages we receive every day telling us that happiness is through the things that we can buy, the things that we can experience here and now. Oh Lord, we pray that you will leave us unsatisfied with those things, that you will not just leave us unsatisfied with those things, but in our hearts you'll draw us to come to you, the source of all joy and true happiness, the source of true satisfaction. Oh Lord, we we have tasted, we have seen, we have seen in others that the peace that is offered is no peace at all. And the burdens grow heavier and heavier. Oh, we thank you that we can come to you. And we pray that we will, from whatever situation we're in today, to come to you and to know you. We thank you that your word is mighty and powerful. And we ask that you will help Mark as he brings it to us. And we pray that you'll take your word and it will go deep within us so that our lives are changed by what we hear about you. Lord, we pray especially for those who are ill and suffering physical pain or ill and suffering mental pain. Oh Lord, we pray that they will know your peace, 
that you will comfort them in a special way. Oh Lord, we pray that you will comfort those who mourn. And we pray too that you will work in those of us whose lives are busy. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us to see that we are here for a little while and then we will be with you forever. Oh Lord, we pray that our, our, our lives will be full of you in the busyness, that we will be living for you and ready to spend forever with you. And Lord, we pray for those whose lives aren't busy enough. They feel sad that they are under-occupied. Oh Lord, I pray that you will be with them and ask, Lord, that you will help them to see that the time that they have where they can commune with you, the time that they have where they can pray with you makes more difference than the running around of younger people. Oh Lord, we know that you are more powerful than thousands of men. In a second, your word can do what no human army could ever do. So we pray that as we come to you, we will have confidence. We will value the privilege we have to come to you in prayer. And we pray that as we have cares, you'll help us to cast them on you confidently you care for us. Amen. Not only is our God mighty and powerful, he's our loving God, and we're going to sing about that in our next song.
Well, in the beginning, God made all things, and it was good. It was a Garden of Eden, and it was perfection. And Adam and Eve were there, and they had this relationship with God, and they were at peace, they were at rest. And then Genesis 3 happens, and the peace is shattered, and the relationship between God and man is broken, a separation. And Adam and Eve have to work. They had to work beforehand, but now it's a matter of toil and struggle. It's difficult. And you see the curse spread and people die and evil things happen. But God is kind. He doesn't totally banish his people. He even saves one family when he floods the world. He gives them laws in the book of Exodus. And then he gives them Leviticus so that they know how they can still approach him without dying. And yet rather than being the answer, these rules that they can just keep, all it actually does is just shows how much of a failure these people are. It just highlights the the fallenness of mankind. Everyone fails. Psalm 14 says, They've all turned aside together, they've become corrupt There's none who does good, not even one. And there's nothing we can do to get right with God again. One of the the camp talk series that we used to do, the first talk was about the fact we've sinned, and the second talk was called Not Fit Enough. And it was about this idea that we can't do anything to make ourselves right with God again. It was based on Romans 3.20, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. We can't earn our way back into God's uh, good books. Trying to obey the law won't make us right with God again. Trying to obey the law won't give us that peace. It won't restore the relationship that we had at the beginning with God when everything was perfect. And yet throughout history, that's what we keep trying, isn't it? We keep trying to be good enough, desperately trying to meet God's standard, be accepted by God and fail time and time again. And then we get to the New Testament and you get the scribes and you get the Pharisees and they've kind of understood that that we need to do more than just the rules that we've got. So some sort of credit to them that they understand that's not working, but their solution is to add a ton more rules. So they add rules to everything. Every aspect of life, rules, rules, rules. And they they pile them onto people and say, this is what you've got to do. If you're going to be acceptable by God, do this and do that and do that and don't forget that. And this is what Jesus says about what they're doing. This is in Matthew 23. He says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. They've come up with all these rules and they place them on the people, the religious leaders, they place it on the people and say, this is how you please God. And it's crushing for people because it's just impossible. They're, they're oppressing people. There's like this extreme religious legalism going on and it, it weighed people down. And of course, many of the Jews, they wanted to do right. They wanted to do what was good They wanted to please God, but they found it so hard and it was so depressing when they failed time and time again. 
And it's to these people that Jesus hands the invitation that we're going to look at tonight. It's been called the world's most famous invitation. Who's it for, this invitation? Well, the envelope that the invitation comes in is handed to all those who labour and are heavy laden. All those who labour and are heavy laden. Those who have been given this stuff that weighs them down. So this invitation is for all who labour and are heavy laden. So that might include us. This invitation is for those of us who are trying to do the right thing. But we keep failing. It's too much for us. This is for us if we're trying to be good enough for God. This is for those of us who think, well, I will come to God, but, but I'm going to clean up my act first. I'm going to sort myself out, and then I'll come to God. This invitation is for those of us weighed down by sin and shame. This invitation is for those who feel weighed down by fears and responsibilities and cares, frustrations. This invitation as well is for maybe Christians who have been Christians for many years, but you're feeling weary. And it's not just a physical weary. There's that sort of weariness of, I've been trying this for so long, the burdens are too great for my shoulders. This invitation is for you. I heard of a lady this week who um, met up with her pastor and she confessed uh, to her pastor that she's been experiencing low-grade guilt for many years. She said she was trusting Jesus, but she never really felt like she measured up. In her mind, she was always letting Jesus down. This invitation is for her and for people like her. So what's it an invitation to Well, it's an invitation, very simply, to rest. To rest. Well, this rest that we're talking about tonight isn't the rest of doing nothing. Before you get too excited, this rest isn't the rest of a hot chocolate and a good book. It's something better than that. It's rest in a a deeper sense, a fuller sense. The Jews understood this sense. This sense of sort of well-being, that everything is right. And it centers around a right relationship with God, this rest. It's a rest from uh, striving to make God smile on us, striving to make God pleased with us. It's a rest, um, it's no longer about having to worry about God accepting us, or about worrying if we deserve it. Knowing that there's nothing more that we can do to make God uh, to make ourselves accepted with God. It's the type of rest that Adam and Eve knew in the garden. Now they did work in the garden, but they had this rest because there was this sense of um, God's presence, of peace, of everything being right. They enjoyed this rest in the garden. And that's the type of rest that we can know. God's presence, enjoying God's presence without having to worry about whether we deserve it or earning it. You know, everyone's longing for rest. The whole world is. In fact, the Bible talks about the fact that um, 
since the fall, the whole of creation is groaning. There's a restlessness in the world. Sometimes it's more obvious than others. There's a, a striving for hope and for peace, for purpose, people chasing happiness. But forgiveness and real joy and real hope and all these things is found in the rest that Jesus gives. The rest in God's presence. As we see in verse 29, this is rest for our souls. This is what we're talking about tonight. So I hope that sounds good to you, that rest. But how do we accept the invitation? How do we accept the invitation? Well, we don't send an RSVP email to Jesus saying, yes, please. There are three things that we need to do to accept this invitation that Jesus gives. Firstly, come to me. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, one of the things I love is we don't go to an instruction manual. We don't go to a DIY book. Um, we go to Jesus. We go to a person. I don't know whether you had the experience sometimes, but where you're trying to sort something out and you find yourself online and you're trying to do it and you're just getting these machine responses. And you want to know the answer to a question, but you just can't find it. And then maybe you get through to a person and suddenly you can just ask the question. And you don't only just get the answer to your question, but you get extra information. Because you're relating with someone. It's so much better, isn't it? Face to face. You know, Jesus doesn't just give us a rule book. He doesn't even just send us to an angel. He says, come to me. Come to me. You don't need to sort your life out first before coming to Jesus. You don't need to have passed that theological degree from the local college to come to Jesus. You don't need to be wearing your suit or dress to come to Jesus. You just come, just as you are. That's how you accept this invitation to this rest of knowing God. Come to me. It's a free gift. Come to me and I will give you rest. All we have to do is come to Jesus and receive the gift of rest in the same way that a child receives a present. Just acceptance. But why do we have to come to Jesus to find this rest? Well, I think if we skip back to verse 27, one of the the verses that we read, we find the answer. This is what it says at the end. It says, No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus is the only one that can reveal the Father to us. He's the only one that can reconcile us back to the Father. Bring us back to him, bring us back to that perfect relationship, restore that relationship that mankind had at the beginning. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. There's no other way for us to be accepted back into God's presence. No other way for us to know that true rest. As we come to Jesus, our relationship with God is restored I think it's one of the the warmest invites we could possibly receive. Come to me and I'll give you rest. 
And many of them at the time had no idea really of what Jesus was saying. But we've got the benefit, haven't we, of, of history. We've got the whole Bible that we can look at. We see how Jesus was able to do this. We see that Jesus died on the cross willingly so that all of you who are weary and heavy laden can freely be made right with God again. That he freely bought that freedom for us. Jesus says, come to me just as you are. I'm the one that can restore that relationship with the Father and give you true rest. And what is Jesus like to come to? Some of us get a bit nervous, don't we, uh, when you have to go to a figure of authority. Perhaps you feel the nerves. What are they going to be like? How are they going to treat me? What's it like to come to Jesus, the maker and sustainer of all things? Well, he tells us himself. In fact, he tells us what his heart is like. So what we see here is the very deepest aspect of who Jesus really is, in his own words. He says, verse 29, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's how he chooses to describe himself. Gentle and lowly in heart. Doesn't mean he's weak. He's not weak. He's welcoming. He's kind. He's understanding. He's sensitive to us. And he's approachable. It's a really key thing here. He's approachable. He may be the son of God, but he wants us to know that we can come to him. Come to him without fear. You know, he couldn't be more opposite to the scribes and Pharisees. When people went to them with their problems, they were met with harshness, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, self-righteousness, condemnation. But Jesus says, come to me. I'm gentle and lowly. There's one man, many of you would have heard of him, called Dane Ortland. Um, he was so impacted by this description of Jesus... Uh, gentle and lowly, that he's, he dedicated hours um, to exploring it more and has ended up writing a book called Gentle and Lowly. Um, I've only read little bits of it and I know a fair few of you have read it. Um, and I've heard from here and from a good number of people elsewhere um, that it is well worth a read. So if you're intrigued by Jesus' description of his heart, the only description that we get of his heart, then that book is well worth a look at. Jesus invites us to come to him. But you know, coming to church is not the same as coming to Jesus. You know, it's perfectly possible to hear about Jesus every single week. It's perfectly possible to enjoy finding out more and more about Jesus and yet not come to him. And if that's you, if you've never actually come to Jesus then there's something really important you need to know. Because rejecting Jesus' invitation is no small thing. There's serious warnings about ignoring his invite. Now Capernaum, uh, we read about it in the reading, uh, was a place that Jesus spent a lot of time. And he'd done an awful lot of miracles uh, and mighty works there. People there knew all about him. Uh, He was sort of a bit of a celebrity there. And yet because of their pride and their self-sufficiency, they refused to repent. 
They refuse to come to Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. He says it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Because if Sodom had seen the mighty things that Jesus had done, if they had heard what Jesus had said, they would have repented. But his hometown, they refused to repent. They saw all these things. They knew all these things about Jesus. And yet they never actually came to him. They never repented. You know, we need to be very careful about how we respond because we hear week in, week out about the message of Jesus. We've seen his miracles. We've heard what he said. And so we should fear God's judgment more if we don't turn to him. So it's a warm invite, but it does come with a a warning. A man named Bruner writes this uh, about Christian countries or so-called Christian countries. He says, Christian countries are in special trouble on Judgment Day, not because Jesus has not really been in their communities, but because he has. You see, these, these Christian countries where Jesus, or the, Jesus has been so proclaimed, so well known, and yet so few actually follow him. Rejecting Jesus' invitation is a serious issue. You know, we need to come humbly to Jesus, acknowledging that we need him in repentance, seeking the rest that he freely gives. So that's part one. To accept the invitation Come to Jesus. Just as you are, come to Jesus. But what else do you need to do? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. That's the second thing. Take my yoke upon you, verse 29. So many of you know what a yoke is, but a yoke was a piece of wood that often went across two oxen. And um, it helped sort of share the load of the plough or the cart they were carrying. And it helped them go in the same direction. But it seems a bit of a surprise, doesn't it? That this is an invitation to rest. And yet Jesus tells us to take up a yoke, which is a tool for very hard work. You know, Jesus doesn't say here, take up my sofa and have a seat. Or take up the lilo and go down to the the pool. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. But Jesus' yoke... It's not a heavy yoke. It's not a yoke like the Pharisees put on people. The the one that sort of weighed people down and crushed their spirits. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, the beauty of a yoke is that you're partnering with someone. You work as a, a team. And when I've thought about it before, I've often almost imagined Jesus just kind of handing me this yoke and saying, take that on you and work. But I think really what he's asking us to do is to partner with him. To take his yoke that he is wearing on us. He's saying, take up my yoke and you'll find it easy. Why will we find it so easy, his yoke? Because he's the one that takes the weight. We use his strength. And on top of that, he gives us his strength as well. And so it feels light and easy because he is helping us. He is with us in the yoke. You know, the the demands of following Jesus are very real. 
You know, if, if we're in a, a yoke with Jesus, that means that we're also going where he goes, following where he goes. The, the demands of Jesus require that we deny ourselves and follow him. That's not easy. And yet, in even the most demanding of times, it can be easy to take up Jesus' yoke. I think it's fair to say that Paul took up Jesus' yoke, don't you? He followed Jesus. He served Jesus. He worked hard for Jesus. His life was full of suffering and pain. But what does he say? Do you remember he describes it, all this suffering, as light momentary affliction compared to the glory of knowing Christ? That yoke, so light for Paul. Paul worked hard and he suffered for Jesus. And yet he had that very deep rest because he knew that he had that restored relationship with God. He knew Christ. You know, whether we realise it or not, we will be yoked to something in this life. And the, the things that we choose to yoke ourselves to really impact the direction of our life. And, and this can be all sorts of things. You know, this can be a desire for power. This can be our career. This can be our families, our relationships. It might be money. It might be a philosophy. It might be a religion. But as good as some of those may be, in the direction that they take us. None of them offer the rest that Jesus offers. Jesus' yoke is easy and the burden is light. He's the one that helps us and strengthens us. If you haven't already, I encourage you to, to lay down those things that you might be yoked to, those things that you're carrying with you through life. The, determining the direction that you're travelling and take up the yoke of Christ. And then finally, and very, very briefly, learn from me. That's what Jesus says lastly. Jesus is our teacher. You know, the people had looked to the Pharisees to teach them, but with their oppression and their, their strict rules, Jesus says, don't look at them. Learn from me. Jesus is gentle. He's tender. He teaches us how to find true rest. He teaches us how to live our lives. He knows what we really need. He knows what's best for us. So learn from Jesus. And we can do that by looking at his life. We've got his whole life now recorded for us. See how he lives. See how he pleases the Father. He's the example for us. Study God's word. Look at his life. And with his strength that he gives us, seek to copy him. That's how we're to learn from Jesus. So maybe you feel weary tonight. Maybe you feel heavy laden. 
Well, Jesus gives us this invitation. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. True rest. Deep rest. Rest for your soul. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that though he is the son of God, yet he is gentle and lowly. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that if we have not come to Jesus, Lord, that we would right now. And Lord, maybe we've come in the past and we've wandered away and the burdens of life have grown again and we're feeling our failure Lord, I pray that we would come again to Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would not reject his invite. The one that he died on the cross for so that he could invite us back into a relationship with the Father. To know the true rest of a restored relationship with you. To be who we were designed to be. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here tonight, everyone watching online may know your rest and that we may share that with others around us so lord i pray that we wouldn't forget these things lord i pray that they would impact us as we go away from this place in jesus name amen we're going to finish with a song O lord my rock and my redeemer greatest treasure of my longing soul.
keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our saviour through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever amen